You are listening to Redefining Rural, a podcast dedicated to celebrating, elevating, and changing the way we think about rural education in the state of Colorado and beyond. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Welcome, everybody, to our next episode of Redefining Rural. We're excited to have you uh, for a relaunch of an episode we had regarding the Santa Fe Trails BOCES and the incredible work that they're doing around college and career readiness. And so sit back and hear all the exciting things that's going on in Colorado. Michelle, why don't you tell us more? Hi, everybody. Michelle Murphy with the Rural Alliance. Really excited to be back. It feels like a very long time since we've all gotten together. Uh, on a recording. And um, excitingly, Daniela Platt is in a new role in space. So we'll, we'll let her talk about that because I'm about to kick it to her uh, to talk about the incredible opportunities we have. Our, for the next few months, we are going to focus on, as Kirk said, great works in districts around workforce development, college and career readiness, apprenticeships, internships, uh, all sorts of amazing things, and also highlight some incredible partnerships that are actually making that happen, which is why we're back here today. Because Kirk, this episode launched, I think, in October. And it's a great how-to in terms of the work that's required. But the piece that's missing is the the role that Kirk played um, as part of the Colorado Rural Education Collaborative to really support that. So we're going to give him a couple minutes to talk about that up front. Um, But first, Daniil, talk to us about, A, your new position, and then your commitments and your inspiration for uh, the field around system redesign. Thanks, Michelle. Yeah, so since we last talked, I am in a new role now. I um, have taken on the executive director position at South Central BOCES. South Central BOCES is, of course, located in South Central Colorado. We serve 12 member districts across 10,000 square miles. And so our region is geographically very diverse. It's large. We um, serve about 4,500 students within that region. Um, We serve as the administrative unit, but we're hoping to also um, support our districts with many other things as well. So um, going back to redesign and thinking about how we um, approach rural education these days, especially amid all of the, the challenges that we're facing, Um, I think about the purpose of redefining rural itself. So part of what we set out to do when we developed this partnership was to change the way we think about rural education in the state of Colorado and beyond. And um, as you all know, you know, we keep coming against these really big challenges with shortages, with capacity, with um, um, just getting things off the ground in order to serve students in the way that we want to. And so when I was still at the department, Part of our thinking um, was to um, impact more students across these rural regions. How do we do that? How do we leverage what's already happening? And so in thinking about that, um, and in my partnership with Michelle and Kirk, um, we started really thinking about more um, collaborative partnerships and what does that look like, which kind of kind of led into um, the rural co-action funding that is now available. And so thinking about system redesign um, and looking at the resources that we do have across the state, what the work that people are already doing, how do we tap into that? How can we scale some of those things up? How can we provide more coordination and support partnerships that are going to be able to 
help our districts and schools serve more students, provide more opportunities, leverage what's already going on, um, and share a lot of that work out. So that's kind of where all of this started. I'm really excited to see where it's going. I know that there are a number of people working on this all across the state. Um, so we're definitely excited to launch into this series to learn more about that work and to also present some opportunities um, to engage. And I think that is what Michelle is gonna talk about. So yeah, it sort of feels like now is the time, if not now, when, and that this is a support for a call to action because there is so much money coming in the form of grants, which does come with challenges and it is one time that there is so much money coming to support workforce development. Uh, the Rural Co-Action Grant, which I call Daniil's money because she really made that happen, is $15 million to support student workforce development. We know there'll be educator workforce development dollars, behavioral health development dollars. And really, from what I'm hearing, we haven't seen the legislation yet, it's, it's ground up. It's you all coming together uh, to determine, determine what your community needs and go for it. And um, it's not going to be enough money to carry you through. But as uh, I quote John Whitler from Viola, board member from Vilas, we've got to start to start. And now is a great opportunity for that. So with that, the one thing that we are all acutely aware of is you can't do this alone. You can't do it with your existing resources. Your BOCES can't do it alone. And we've got these great partnerships, including what we're going to learn more about today um, with the CREC and the Santa Fe Charles BOCES. So Kirk, humble leader that you are, you didn't say a word about your work with the BOCES, with the BOCES and member districts in the podcast that you recorded. So please tell us how you have helped them and uh, the role that you've played locally to move this work. Sure. So uh, yeah, as, as I think as we continue to work on it, one of the things that we know is that our administrators, our teachers, our school boards, everyone is doing an incredible amount of work uh, if to, for their districts just to be able to get the education that students are getting. And so as we're trying to navigate uh, COVID and the Omicron, um, I think part of the things that we've seen is that sometimes districts need additional support in doing the lift. And that's where uh, the CREC, with the help of Generation Schools, has been really been able to come and help support the Santa Fe Trails. What a lot of what we do is we always say that our job is, is to work ourselves out of the job. So part of what we try to help support and do is really bring in those structures so that things can continuously move on uh, as you do it. And that's about convening, it's bringing people together. I mean, part of our role was to really make sure that the community was involved, that we're making sure that we're getting to the districts what kids need and want as they look to the future. And so I think that's part of what we do as an intermediary is be able to provide that structure insight. The neat thing that we're able to do is not only look at what's working well in Colorado, but what's worked well across the country and bring some of those pockets of excellence uh, that are happening in other states that really work in rural settings. So I think one of the things about an intermediary, it really allows uh, more hands, more boots on the ground to be able to help smaller systems be able to collaborate 
bring things together and really leverage these these topics so that kids have more options in it. And so I think what we've been able to do both in Santa Fe trails and then helping support along the I-76 corridor is be those extra boots on the ground to help districts and those thought partners as they go go through it. And so I think our hope is, is as we continue to see more additional monies come into this area, that organizations like CREC and others are able to help districts really make this work happen and go from a good idea to actually really strong, robust practices in their area. So hopefully in today's episode, you'll get to hear an example of what that looks like in the Santa Fe Trails BOCES. And those who don't know that area, that is the La Junta area along Highway 50. And so uh we hope we get to, to hear the great work that's going on in that region. Thanks, Kirk. Thanks, Danielle. Uh, enjoy the episode, and we'll be back next month with more from Grand County. I am really honored to have uh, two wonderful educators from the Santa Fe Trail BOCES here to talk about the great work that they're doing around college and career readiness. Uh, for those who don't know, the Santa Fe Trail BOCES is uh, in La Junta, and it's the six surrounding districts around in the southeast part of the state. And so I'm very excited for Lauren and Jen to talk to us all about uh, the great work that they're doing down in the Santa Fe Trails BOCES. And so to kick it off, I'd love to have uh, Jennifer and Lauren, if you guys would like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on in the Santa Fe Trail BOCES. Great. Hi, I'm Jennifer and I'm the Special Project Coordinator. Um, this is my seventh year at Santa Fe Trail BOCES. Uh, this is actually my sixth year uh, doing this type of work and our fourth year in the Pathway to Prosperity project that um, helped us get the RISE grant. My name is Lauren and I am the Assistant Director at Santa Fe Trail BOCES. This is my first year in this role, but I've previously been a principal um, in one of the districts here with Santa Fe Trail BOCES and have experience working with um, Jennifer and Kirk through this process. Great. So Jennifer, tell us a little bit about what is Pathways to Prosperity uh, and how that fits into the RISE grant of the work that you guys have been doing. All right. So our Pathway to Prosperity project really has uh, three main uh, focus areas. So um, the first is internship. We uh, are focusing on exposing students to work opportunities in the Arkansas Valley. And one way we do that is to prepare them for internships, and then we place them in a local business or um, organization uh, in the career pathway that they have chosen. Um, the third part of our pathway to prosperity is in entrepreneurship. And so we're teaching students about entrepreneurship, what that means, because if there is not a career in our community that they're interested in, they could create their own career uh, by being an entrepreneur. And actually in rural America, there are many entrepreneurs. They don't recognize themselves as such because they're just doing what their families have always done. Um, and so we're teaching them about entrepreneurship and that they can do that in rural America and uh, make a living doing that. And then um, the third part of that is what of Pathway to Prosperity is what we call real world problem scenarios. And um, this is an opportunity for fifth to 12th graders to connect with business and, uh, businesses and business leaders in our community to learn real uh, life um, problem solving skills to bring relevance to the classroom 
And that's when we connect um, someone from the community with a teacher to uh, learn a lesson, to bring relevance and interest to a, a lesson that the teacher is already teaching. And so those three parts together um, help us to achieve our, some of our ultimate goals. And that is to keep our young people here uh, for them to maybe go to college or trade school, go to the military or go directly to the workplace. But we really want them to consider uh, the Arkansas Valley is their um, permanent place of residence once they get their training. Um, and then we also uh, bring in succession planning with that because a lot of our independent uh, mom and pop shops eventually want to retire and we would like uh, to prepare our young people to take over those needed businesses in the area. Great. So talk to me a little bit more about what problems, real world problem solving looks like in the Santa Fe Bail, Santa Fe Trail BOCES. Right. So, um, you know, it looks different depending on the age of the students. Um, some of our, our early ones, we did some um, work with the Colorado Department of Wildlife and fifth graders learned about um, natural habitat of um, birds in the area. So they learned about uh, where they live and how to recognize that and how um, to treat them with respect. And so that was, you know, just kind of a simple lesson. Um, we've also had a sixth grade class work with their local health department on um, HPV vaccinations because in that area they get their first vaccination, but they don't come back for boosters. So why is that? So ask the students. They're the ones that aren't getting back in there. Um, we've had eighth grade students do a downtown improvement project. So they learned about, you know, the downtown and why it's important uh, for it to look uh, attractive, to attract businesses. And that was with an uh, economic foundation partner uh, talking about that. And then we recently had this great, even amidst COVID, COVID, we had an eighth and ninth grade class partner with the city of Los Animas and economic development uh, to, uh, to design and start thinking about how they can um, improve their outdoor sports complex. So the students got to learn about utilities and why you have to consider existing structures. And they worked with the planner to look at what was already there. They um, got to brainstorm about what they would want there. And then they actually pulled the community. What did the community want there? And then they also were tasked with coming up with a name uh, for this outdoor complex. And then they presented their culminating project to the city council um, so that they could go forward in this planning. And so that was a really great, that's kind of like a textbook uh, real world problem scenario because um, they involved all those different city entities and different careers. And it really, um, they don't know there's water lines under the street and they don't really consider electrical lines. So this really kind of um, expanded their thinking. We have a repeating sixth grade real world problem scenario with Lahana Intermediate School and Innovative Water Technologies, which is a water filtration company in Rocky Ford. And they filter water all over the world. They go in after disasters. They bring their portable solar operated water filtration systems. And so the sixth grade science teacher has groups of threes and four sixth graders create uh, real water filters out of household materials. Um, and they teach that after a whole month of kind of like water system, 
how the water system works in, in the world, you know, and how that um, is and why that's important. They create their own water filters. Then they go to IWT and learn about what it looks like for a real water filter to happen. And then IWT actually uh, tests the water from the students' water filtration systems. And as a result, they learn about different countries. Uh, they learn that not all students have clear, clean water to drink. And um, they learn that it's really important to have sources of clean water and how involved that is. Because even after they put their the water through their own little filtration systems, most of them would not drink the water that their filters um, produce. So that's that's a really uh, that's also another textbook uh, real world problem scenario. And what that teacher tells us is that when the students are doing this project, their parents tell the teacher, I don't know what you're doing with the water filter things, but that's all my student is talking about. And so it's a great example of having students work together uh, to communicate, to uh, record data, and they have to uh, be adaptable because they have to adjust uh, what they're doing. And um, then they have to be responsible to keep track of all their materials and work together and do their recording. So um, those are just a few examples of some real world problem scenarios that we've done. Very exciting. Those, those are those are cool experiences for kids. So Lauren, talk to us a little bit. I know, you know, a lot of schools across the the state do college career work, but they do it individually as their own district. And I think one of the things that makes this project unique is that it's six districts really coming together. So can you talk a little bit about the advantages that you see as a BOCES of bringing multiple districts together to work on a project? Yeah, it's been really great. We um, have six different districts that come to um, a lot of different events. And so one of the main avenues we use is our um, counseling professional learning community, where we invite all of the counselors um, into a monthly meeting and we discuss, hey, these are opportunities available for you and your students. And then we always bring in guest speakers, whether they're from the college, um, to give resources on, you know, how do you get into a nursing degree or how do you get into the agriculture program? Um, but we've also brought in business partners and said, you know, hey, we want kids to go straight from high school into this career and it could be a career for them and just providing a lot of different resources for the counselors in order to um, share those with the students. Because a lot of um, the time students don't realize the opportunity um, that's available in their hometown. And so, you know, you always get the doctors, nurses, veterinarians, but you don't ever think about, hey, I'm going to go be a water technology or I'm going to be um, in the different departments that are really not, they're not the first ones that come to mind. And so really opening those doors um, for our counselors in order to share that information with their students um, has been a really cool opportunity. And we've seen some really nice um, things come from that. Yeah, that's great. So I know as far as exposure, um, you guys just completed a exposure activity called Wheels to Work and would love to hear more uh, about the World's Wheels to Work event that you guys did. So um, on October 6th, we did a Wheels to Work event, which is the community career exposure event for seventh and eighth graders. And so this um, event was in collaboration with the Workforce Center. And it was actually modeled after an event they do up in Brush. 
and Josh Gibbs up at that workforce center um, shared this on a webinar that our local workforce um, person, Cindy Polito, and I um, attended. And because of COVID, we were like, you know, this is an outdoor event. I think we can do this. So we originally had planned it in May, but had to postpone till October. And actually, that was the perfect time to do it. So the idea was that you invited businesses in your community that used wheels to work to a venue to share their work with seventh and eighth graders. And so we planned three uh, simultaneous events, uh, one in Los Animas, and our Wiley School was invited to that, one in La Junta, and Shira chose to go to La Junta to that event, and then one in Rocky Ford, and Swink chose to attend the one in Rocky Ford. And so we, we started just knocking on doors and contacting our local businesses that use wheels to work to this event. And it was just in the morning. The students were there from nine to 11 um, and the students were given a task. So they were giving a, given a passport. And in that passport, they had uh, three sets of the same questions. They had to learn about three different businesses, uh, what they did at that work, um, what kind of education those people had to have. Um, I think there was another question, but I don't remember now what it was. But when they went to talk to that business, that business person had to sign, stamp, put a sticker. Somehow the student had to get three stickers on their passport so that we knew they had at least talked to three people. Um, so it was an exciting event. The cities, the city of Los Animas, the city of La Junta, and the city of Rocky Ford really got excited about this. We had the city manager from La Junta and the city manager from Rocky Ford open the day for the students and gave instruction. Um, the deputy city clerk in Los Animas was very instrumental in that um, city. They don't have a city manager in Los Animas, and so um, the city clerk uh, that position. And so they, it was just a free morning. The kids, once they were given the instructions, they were just let go and they just get, got to talk to whoever they wanted. And um, it was a really great day. The weather was perfect. We had great community support. Um, I think we had 36 different businesses amongst between the three venues, but we had many more vehicles because many businesses brought more than one um, vehicle. And the the wheels that the students really enjoyed were those that they had interaction with. So they got to get in the ambulance. They got to get in the uh, the search vehicle. They got to um, see the uh, uh, sewer, like the water uh, plant that they had wash off the uh, concrete or whatever. Um, they loved getting involved. They got put in a sheriff's car and see how that felt. They got put on a gurney so they could see what it felt like to to be in the ambulance and um, it was a great event. We just had a variety of wheels and um, the businesses want to do it again and, and they want more. And they actually would like to have uh, older students, 11th and 12th graders attend because they're looking of course at future workforce. So they're wondering where those older students were. But for our purpose this year, it really was to expose seventh and eighth grade students to, to work in their community. And we, we had great sport and, and they, the businesses wanna make it an annual event. And so this will actually take place of what we've done in the past. We've done an advanced manufacturing tour for sixth, seventh and eighth graders. 
but because of COVID and um, the economic climate, uh, this just wasn't a possibility the last two years. So we'll expose students to work through a um, Wills to Work event as seventh and eighth graders, and then um, possibly entertain a different type of tour for ninth and 10th graders. So um, it was the first annual. We involved a lot of community businesses. A lot of community people helped plan it and it was a success. I would say this has been one of our greatest successes so far. Very cool. Well, it sounds like it was a great event and a great way to bring a uh, business community and multiple schools together to all collaborate. So that, that sounds wonderful. So as you guys look at your pathways to prosperity and the work that you're doing in Santa Fe Trails, what would you say is the biggest challenge in bringing districts together and then getting kids exposed to different pathways? I think bringing districts together is a huge challenge in and of itself. Um, districts have built in competitiveness. Um, they have their own priorities. And so to, to build a community where we all have the same goal um, and we're just gonna attain it in different ways um, is definitely a challenge. But I think that one that can easily be overcome um, with a little bit of work um, and just showing that there's multiple ways to get to the same end result. Um, and here are different paths to make that happen. Um, and I think now more than ever, we've seen time um, is always a valuable resource. And so time is always something that will get backed up into. And so getting creative on how you can use um, events or things that are already taking place and tweaking them or adding to them in order to help provide some of those opportunities for students. Mm -hmm. Great, great. How about how about the flip side of that question? What do you think has been your greatest success um, through this process? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind, Kirk, is that uh, we are seeing uh, different businesses having interns and um, outside of our program, which is perfectly fine. It's just the fact that the culture is realizing that the interns are valuable and they're a valuable way to build future workforce. And uh, we don't always, we don't need to be in the center of it, but the fact that the community as a whole is, is starting to invite students in, um, that I think is a huge success for our work um, because we are starting to shift that mindset that, um, that businesses have to start investing in students before they're out of school, that those relationships are important. Um, I, I think just kind of normalizing um, like the need instead of six districts doing their own thing, that we're all starting to see that this, this is needed, this is important, um, that we, they can do it their own way, but we can get to the same end. Uh, because as a BOCES, uh, we're just the hub. Like we don't, we don't require all our districts to do it exactly the same. We offer the opportunity and we support them um, to participate as much as possible. And then it's interesting how it kind of takes its own shape. And um, that is probably one of our challenges also, Kirk, is, is um, respecting their dis the districts as districts 
but offering them support for the same thing. Um, it's, it's a little tricky, but um, somehow under our leadership of Sandy Malif and uh, Lauren now um, working with us, we've been able to honor the district's needs, um, but still continue this work. And so it is a little tricky. Well, very cool. Well, the fact that you guys can do it, I definitely see as a success. I also think another success that I'd love to highlight is the fact that this work really set you guys up uh, for being able to apply for the Governor's Rise Grant, which you all did receive, which was a, for those who don't know, this was a competitive grant across the state of Colorado for school systems to compete for some of the CARES Act money that the governor had and that that money is now they were one of of the winners of the, of that. And so I guess a question I have for you too is where do you see this going with these new resources and next steps for the, your pathways to prosperity? Well, one of the reasons um, our BOCES was uh, chosen is that we are starting to expose students to careers at a younger age, as early as fourth grade. So we started uh, bits box coding with fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And mind you, this is all on volunteer. We throw the op we present the opportunity to our districts, and if they have educators that want to participate, then we support them. And so we're starting to expose students uh, to coding as early as fourth grade. And then we have um, opportunity in the high school to to keep building on this coding, um, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, to see it as a viable uh, career. Um, so where is this going? Um, well, I, th I just really feel like we're on the verge of um, connecting with community more. I think our community sees the value. I think the groundwork has been laid. Um, sometimes it's hard for a community to know exactly what to do. You talk to community businesses and like, well, we'd like to do something, but we don't know what to do. We don't know who to contact. We don't know how to get our foot in the door. And so real world problem scenarios are a great way to do that because we're asking businesses and community leaders to come in and share what they already know. It's, they're not having to come up with something clever or anything. They're just sharing what they do. And uh, we recently um, were going to have some professional development on real world problem scenarios and some other options um, but the real world problem scenario was the most registered uh, development opportunity. And so for me, that shows that the teachers are hungry uh, for some new relevance in the classroom. They, they want to bring something that the students can actually do with what they're learning. And um, so I think that's kind of like, we're kind of right on that verge of, of getting the students out and getting business people in so that they can actually use what they're learning in the classroom, even as early as sixth grade, seventh grade. Uh, we don't have to wait till they're 11th graders to start connecting them to real work. Uh, awesome, that, that's incredible. Lauren, anything else you'd like to add? No, uh, we're excited to continue this work. Um, and so, you know, when we're in the thick of it, sometimes it feels like it's slugging along. And then we, you know, we have the opportunity to share um, what's happening here. And it's amazing the impact um, that has happened over these last few years. So we're excited to see um, where it takes us.
Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I definitely applaud you guys for all your work in, in your region. It's incredible work. And I know that there is, there's lots of stories that have come with the impact that you guys have made. And so for our listeners, one thing that's exciting is that the Santa Fe Trail BOCES did create a video all about this exciting stuff to do. And so one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to show that um, right now. So stay tuned so that you can see their incredible video about the work they're doing. But before we start that, I'd like to thank Jennifer and Lauren for joining me on Redefining Rules. And once again, I applaud you all for your incredible work in the southeast part of Colorado. So thank you so much for all you do for our rural kids in Colorado. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Mm -hmm. All right. Now here comes their video. My name is Elliot Zetis, Senior Manager of College and Career Readiness at Generation Schools Network. I work with Jennifer Nesselhoff and Santa Fe Trail BOCES to implement the Pathways to Prosperity program, which provides college and career readiness programming for 4th to 12th graders in six different districts. My name is Jennifer Nesselhoff. I'm the Special Project Coordinator for Santa Fe Trail BOCES. So Santa Fe Trail BOCES, um, we have six member districts, Wiley, Shiraz, Los Animas, La Junta, Swink, and Rocky Ford. What is the Pathway to Prosperity program? It involves internships and real-world problem scenarios, and it also honors entrepreneurship. All high schoolers should do an internship just because it's like you get to see the real world and you get to make an impact on people, and you get to see if this is the right job for you. And if not, you can always change and do a different internship. I knew it was the right career for me once I left the internship, and so that was definitely something I never thought I'd get out of some simple class or internship. Because of the internship, I, I am, as far as I know, the youngest cop in Colorado at the age of 19. I honestly don't think I'd be where I am today. I don't think the chief would have trusted me doing what I'm doing today without, without first building that rapport that I did with them my 11th grade year up to now. With that internship, when I went to Denver, nobody knew who I was. I was just a young kid with a big dream, and everybody said, oh, you know, we don't want you here. But whenever I showed them my internship, it opened a lot of doors. Everybody was thinking, well, if you can do that at a young age, what can you do for me now? Now I can explore the community and learn so much from the fact that it's not just Swing, it's not just Rocky Ford, it's not just Lahana. It's not just Otero, it's the community, it is the businesses that go past the city limits. I think it's super important, especially for rural students, to get an idea of what they're going to in their future fields. And in a rural area, it's really hard to find those outlets. And so any internship opportunity is an opportunity you should take. If you want to be able to try to help local students who are gems, who we want to keep, or who we want to have more time to grow, if we want that, we have to offer the opportunity to be here to do it. I think that the more exposure we can get students in the classroom and rural communities to real life experiences throughout their community um, lends itself to the Grow Your Own initiative. Um, it really emphasizes that there are job and work opportunities throughout the community that they live in and that 
you know, they don't have to go somewhere else to be successful. They don't have to um, go somewhere else to find purpose in life. If we only think that the jobs exist outside of our tidy towns, we are participating in the brain drain. That's what we used to call it. We need to grow our own. We need to grow up. This is a great way of doing it. And what better way of doing it than to try to be a good role model to grow your own. That makes you a better person. Social capital is important for anyone. It's not about young people. It's about everyone. And that's the reality of social capital. Whenever you know people, you can make so much happen, you know, because it works well together. And if you notice today, and I noticed this, every person in that room was smiling. That tells you how powerful internships are. Everybody in a rural community as an entrepreneur. Your farmers and your ranchers are actually entrepreneurs from day one. You have to solve a problem, you're an entrepreneur because the creative juices have to begin flowing. I'm an entrepreneur now. If we can help young people realize that they can be more creative, we could find that more of them find their way back here. You can see the spark in their eye when, when they go, hey, this is cool, you know, this is something we can do. Um, um, I think that's my favorite part. Businesses in the classroom in rural communities, the importance would be most of these kids think that they want out. They think they want to go somewhere else because they don't think there's anything here for them. They don't even realize some of the businesses that are around in the area. They don't know these opportunities are there. Or, sad to say, by the time you're 12 years old, a lot of them don't have any dreams anymore. They're already done. If you ask them what they want to be, they don't have a dream. And it's sad to see that shut off in a poverty area already at 12. So it kind of rejuvenates a little bit that there is something for them. This gives students hope and the ability to look ahead and not just think about right now. They can look ahead and think about maybe some innovative ideas that they might have or getting to know other adults besides those people in their home.